you're listening to The Parent Classroom, a space for quick conversations on how to nurture your child's education. I'm your host, Komal Shah, a former teacher turned consultant who fundamentally believes that every parent has the power to raise their child consciously within the K-12 schooling system. I cannot wait to bring you on this journey. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and I am so excited for another episode of The Parent Classroom, and today is very special because I get to have a friend and a parent come on and discuss with me some key issues and reasons for choosing schooling for your child. And I think the reason why I'm so giddy is because I actually met our guest, Lauren Pinto. During the pandemic, we became online friends through LinkedIn. And we had the same vision and ideas about conscious education. She is an educator herself and a former teacher. And when I was thinking about this episode, I just thought, who better to come in and talk about choosing schools for your child than someone who has very similar values of what's good for children. So I am so excited to introduce a fellow friend, Lauren. How are you, Lauren? Oh my gosh, I'm like blushing after such a beautiful introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am super, super, super thrilled to be here, especially as a podcast guest. Usually I'm in your role, Kamal, and so I'm very happy to be on the receiving end of this. So yay! I know. And if people don't know, I, we actually do another podcast together and our co-host for that. So this feels like full circle. And I have to say, you are just killing it with all of your podcast game. I definitely feel a newbie in comparison. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's one of those things where you learn how to do it if you want to do it. And by golly, I learned how to do it. So I'm just so happy. And I'm so proud that you have this podcast too. Aww. You're like my little student flower, like growing and blooming. Oh my gosh. I love that. For everyone else, I am very experienced, but <laughs> <laughs> for the purpose of this, yes, very much a student. Um, okay. Well, of course, we want to dive in and talk about your daughter, Josephine, who is a five-year-old about to start kindergarten. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question, and that is, what type of student were you growing up? Oh, you're making me get in my way back machine over here. I love it. <laughs> I think very early on, I was sort of a like whatever student. I have really strong memories of being terrible in math, like really, really struggle bus, couldn't figure it out. I mean, to this day, I still count on my fingers and, and have to like use the nine finger trick. You know, the one I'm talking about when you multiply by nines and put one down. Um, so I still do that today, but I also remember that tide turning when I was in junior high and sort of like ramping up for quote high school. Like it just felt like you were getting into the, I was getting into the big leagues and I needed to have something to show because I wanted to go somewhere good. And then from high school, you have to go to a good college. And so there was a lot of pressure to do well. And so I have memories of being like, yeah, I'll kind of figure it out. I'm, I'm waiting for the last minute to do my <laughs> science fair project to, oh, I have something due in a month. I'm going to do it the day it's assigned because I don't want that pressure on me later on. So I kind of went across the spectrum, I think. Okay. You said whatever. You are a whatever student. I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> 
I guess it means like school's here. Like I have to be here. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was the one that was focused on my social life. You know, those kids who have got more important things to do than pay attention. But I also was not that student early on who was like writing down everything the teacher said. I was just like there. I, I guess maybe early on I didn't have that sense of purpose and yeah. that sense of buy-in and engagement that I think developed for me as I got older, that sense of agency over my actual learning, which now that I think about the teachers and the projects I had, that was probably the the game changer is being more engaged in what I was doing. Yeah. And um, I was going to say it's interesting in terms of what type of school did you go to? I went to a small parochial Catholic school. And these are are common here. I live in Los Angeles. So these are very common sprinkled around where um, it's not like private school with a capital P, so to speak, like the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars type of, of school. But it was definitely not public school. So it was sort of that in-between where you had a far more controlled environment, but it wasn't, I don't know how to describe it without being condescending to the other two <laughs> elements that I was talking about, but it was it's, it was that option for, for parents who wanted a sense of community with uh, the environment that their students were in, as well as maybe just not the the public school option and was the more affordable option than the thousands and thousands of dollars private schools that were also common in my area. Okay, so I'm curious, before we talk about what school you ended up actually choosing for your daughter, did your experience in school affect how you made a choice for her? It 100% did. I almost kind of like fought against it for a little bit. There were other factors, maybe not 100%. That's like all by and I would say 80% was definitely a factor. And there were other things that changed as far as our living situation happened that were that determined the path we ended up choosing. But I would say once those factors were determined, it was about 80%. Yeah. Okay. And in like a good way or in a, I experience this and I don't want my daughter to go through this again? In a both way. I think it's a little bit of the concept of seeing how your food is made, like being a student <laughs> in this type of environment, being a teacher in that type of environment, then being a teacher at a charter school, then being a teacher at another private school. I have run the spectrum and the gamut. And I would often say to my husband, like, I'm not going to be happy no matter where my kid is at. Like, mm. unless I make it myself, which is not an option because I have to put food on the table, um, I'm not going to be totally thrilled. And so I had to come to terms with that. Again, mostly because of my philosophy and my values and how the education institution as a whole is sort of running over time and space and like where it's headed. Like I, I wouldn't have been thrilled no matter what. Okay. I think that's super fair. And the reason why I bring this topic up is just because I think as a parent, you, this choice just feels so big. And anytime I talk to parents, they sometimes are just really overwhelmed of like, where do I put my child in school? What are my values? Like, what does that even look like? And I think also there are so many factors like proximity, like just even logistics, like what's the Mm -hmm. schedule? How far is the school? Um, You know, what type of community is it? So 
if you were to boil down, and I want to hear the full journey, but if you were to boil it down into like the top three criteria you and your partner had when it came to your daughter's schooling, what were they? It would be community was a really big thing that we were looking for. We, the type of preschool that my my daughter has been in, which she's been in for since she was, gosh, months old, because that's a whole different element of our schooling system is needing to have your kids in daycare. But where she was, she has been there for almost five years of her life. And so we know a lot of the parents because all of her friends have been there pretty much for the same amount of time. So community was really high on our list. Um, Another thing that was on our list was like interaction that we could have with the teachers or the school itself, like touch points, being able to, and this probably falls under community as well, being able to volunteer, being able to Mm. visit, being able to be a part of that. And then another element was before and after care logistics because we both work. And so we can't be there right when the school bell ends. So where is she going to go afterwards? And that focused uh, another element of it as well. Okay. I love that. I love community because, yeah, I mean, I think social life is so big. And even when you and I both were in the classroom, right? Social life of kids is such a big part of Mm -hmm. our kids' schooling. But I'm wondering, like, I know that when you and I've talked, the learning and the education also plays a big role, especially when you have a certain philosophy around like grades and test scores and achievements. So, I mean... I know you mentioned you're never going to feel satisfied, but how did you like <laughs> how did you I guess balance that and choose community over kind of the learning that's happening actually in the classroom? Well, that's where me being a teacher came in handy, which was I could hypothetically pick up the slack if needed. I, and I don't necessarily advocate for like tutoring your child cuz that was a whole thing involving math in fourth grade and and, and (laughs) (laughs) it's a reason I still struggle. But I think it was like, I I am experienced in this. So if it needed to be, Mm. I can come in and do whatever it is that I need to do if that's necessary. And another part with it is that it's not higgledy-piggledy standards-based grading, um, CASP testing, standardized testing driven, the type of environment that that she's in has standardized testing, but it is not the data-driven instruction, (laughs) DDI, that is so prevalent in public schools in my area. And I think that was another part of it was it felt like she can learn for the sake of learning as opposed to learn for the sake of the test score or Mm -hmm. for the placement later on. And that was something that was really important to me because I don't really, I mean, she's going to be fine. She's smart. I know she's smart. Mm -hmm. And there's that statistic that's out there, which is the social economic status and the education of your parents is a really big indicator of a child's academic success. Mm -hmm. And so given those things, I was like, she's going to be fine. I'm just not going to put the pressure of test scores and all that. Sure, I want her to do well. I really do. But my idea is not for 100% A's all day long. Yeah. 
she's going to be fine with however she is because there's so much more to learning than what ends up on a report card or a comment or a progress report or a test or a homework assignment or the litany of other things that are graded. Oh, see, Lauren, this is why we're friends. <laughs> I know, right? There's just so much more. Well, I love it because also this podcast is all about parents knowing how much power they have in not only their choices, but also how much they can offset what could be happening in school that could negatively affect their child, right? I mean, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is saying like, hey, you have the power and empowered in whatever choices you make. But I know you had mentioned that you actually didn't put your daughter in TK. And I know sometimes parents are grappling with that decision. So what informed yours or what was that uh, decision for you like? Oh, that's such a great question. So going back to community, that was number one, which was the the environment that she's been in she has been in since she can remember. And all of her friends stayed there. And this is kind of maybe one of those classic, like, well, her friends are doing it, so she's going to do it too. But as far as school goes, so we didn't want to sever those relationships before they naturally severed because her friends would have been going, continuing on, but she would have been leaving. And it just felt like a really hard transition that didn't need to happen. Mm. The other element was her daycare is a play-based daycare. So there's lots of centers, lots of imaginary play, lots of, again, community interaction. And I felt that by starting TK, that would stop more than it needed to stop. And I wanted her to be able to play for as long as possible because in the traditional education system, play gets put on the back burner. And I thought, well, for an extra year, she can run around without her shoes on and (laughs) make silly faces and sounds and do all of these other things that she can do because once she's in kindergarten, that focus is going to change no matter where we ended up putting her in our area. So being able to remain as childhoodly innocent as possible for as long as possible played a really big factor for us. I I love that you said that, especially because I feel in this day and age, there's still such a focus on the hustle, right? Even for your mm-hmm. five-year-olds, you know, like yeah. what if they go in TK and what if, if what they don't? And then are they going to be, be in behind? Are they going to be prepared for kindergarten? And that starts so early. And it, I think it's more on the parent side. It's that cultivating the fear of, will they be ready? So mm. my daughter, she watches a lot of TV. I'm not going to lie about that. Like, Paw <laughs> uh, Patrol, you are just so wonderfully loved in our home. But a lot of those commercials that are on Nickelodeon are for ABC Mouse. And because she's watching a lot of TV, she asked me once, do I need that? I was like, you don't need ABC Mouse. Like, why? No. And she goes, well, I want to make sure I'm ready for kindergarten. And so she was actually getting this messaging from the TV, which came from the TV. I recognize that, that I allowed to have on in the house. I get that. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a sense of like, oh, well, if it's on and and she wanted to be ready. And I had to be Mm. like, you're going to be ready because, again, you're read to and you're interacted with. You play. You are ready. It's not needing to have that hustle of, I need to be ahead of the other five-year-olds in kindergarten. Like, why are we starting this cutthroat business at five? The end-all question, correct? (laughs) Correct. If we just think about it, I mean, you said something like play-based learning, and I, I, I read this quote once that actually said, like, life is play. (laughs) 
Like, mm-hmm. it's actually kind of hilarious that we even have this, like, term coined play-based learning because if we just let kids live life and play with the dirt and the trees and go outside and go for walks and, like, learn from their parents and just their environment, that is what their early childhood is supposed to be. And yet there's this emphasis. And I can't believe that she was getting that messaging. That, to me is wild. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't all Barbie commercials and <laughs> LOL dolls. It's also ABC Mouse. And, and the parents who are in that of talking about how ready their kid is and how mm. ahead their kid is, that's a major part of their marketing campaign. And there's a one part of me as a parent where I, I do worry. You know, you want to mm. always want the best for your kid. Always, always, always. Yeah. But I feel like there's a a fear target with those kinds of things Mm. where you're preying on that. You want the best for your kid. So Mm. invest in this, invest in that, and your kid shall be, quote, ready with a capital R. And I guess the funny thing too is asking yourself, I mean, what is best for your kid? Right. And really having to reevaluate that. And I know I did an episode on unlearning success, but yeah, I mean, it is asking yourself those critical questions because if not, then what you're going to think is best is ahead because that's kind of the society we live in. <laughs> right. And it's that conscious approach of realizing what it is that you as a parent value Hmm. and finding the institution that best fits there. And that's going to be different for everybody. And I I, I don't want to to maybe poo-poo the fact that there are people who want their kids to be ahead because that's if that's what you value, like Mm -hmm. you do you. Um, But for me, that wasn't the end-all be-all for us, that competitive environment. Yeah, that's super fair. I mean, so now that you've made a choice for your daughter, are there any concerns that are going to come up for you? Are you going to look out for while she starts school? Oh, they're the ones that keep me up at night. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> oh, no. this is this is impending. You know, come August, she will be in kindergarten. I know. So there's a few. Uh, the first one is homework, which you're probably going to laugh at. There it is. Because it's the idea of doing homework. Like now we have to do it. And as a teacher... It's one of those things you assign. And when I was teaching full-time, I didn't have my daughter yet or she wasn't of the homework age. Mm. And so now the thought of coming home from a full days of work and having to look at homework and Mm. talk about it just makes me want to like, uh, yeah, because it's packets and it's word problems and it's projects and it's extra work Mm -hmm. that might have a purpose, might not. I mean, it, it all comes down to what's what's the end game here. Mm-hmm. And so that makes me nervous. The concept of grades makes me mm-hmm. nervous as well because I have a view of them and then the school system has a view of them and they don't always totally align. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know my daughter who wants to do well, she will probably care about mm-hmm. what the number says. And so having to, I've already been trying to unlearn some of that stuff when it comes mm-hmm. to making mistakes with the letters she writes and things don't have to be perfect. You don't have to start over, but I can see how in a classroom environment that might be difficult. Yeah. And then another thing is her school that she will be going to will wear uniforms and she's never worn a uniform a day in her life. And so the idea of having to wear and and lose kind of a sense of, of 
freedom that she has with the clothes that she gets to pick, the clothes that she gets to like, and having to wear something that's a little bit like heavier of a fabric, more drab colors. That's what you have to wear. Mm. Also weighs on me also. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of just like rules and expectations Mm -hmm. and imposition of academic achievement. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, how do you navigate that? And how do you, I mean, I think that's why we're here, right? Is trying to figure that out because the reality is the system isn't going anywhere mm-hmm. anytime soon. And there's so many parents out there who have their children in these types of environments. And so it is, these concerns are real <laughs> and they start young. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think ultimately for me, it came down to, and or my husband as well. I keep saying me. I'm also trying to include <laughs> my husband in all of this, but since it's just me on the microphone here, uh, for us, it came back to that sense of community. We were mm-hmm. going to be in an environment where in these types of schools, the students that start in kindergarten often matriculate up and graduate together in eighth grade. So yeah. we would know a lot of her people and, and we really liked that idea. And logistically, you talked about that. It's really close to where we live. So the hustle in the morning or the hustle coming home is significantly lowered. And come junior high-ish, she could have that sense of independence to walk to and from Mm -hmm. without needing us. So logistically, that made a lot of sense. Like you live in LA, so if travel time should definitely be up there. (laughs) Which is, yes. And I I think also that that touch point of teachers was another part, Mm. being able to see them, to interact with them, to know who they are. It was also a really big spot because I I feel like with public school, it it felt like so far away, you know, Mm -hmm. you're you're like not allowed on campus or you're, uh, you know, it just felt really removed. And I feel like that even when I was a teacher in public school, Mm -hmm. like the idea of having people who were not allowed on campus, like they shouldn't be, but like that parent involvement piece just seemed to be missing a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I liked that there were opportunities for us to be involved mm. in this setting. And what? And so what type of school did you choose? I never asked you that. No, you didn't. It's actually one of those private parochial schools that I grew up in, what? that my husband also grew up in too. Yeah, which played a big factor because we also felt like this was something that we grew up in and mm-hmm. we are successful. Mm-hmm. And it was also something that we could contend with. Like, mm. The, the there, there weren't words that we didn't know. There weren't acronyms that we had to learn. It, it was just stuff that we felt like we understood. Hmm. And that even comes from my time in, in public school too, where it was just like, the, it feels like they throw out so many abbreviations at you that you're like, what does it mean? And also the system for starting wasn't a uh, uh, higgledy-piggledy, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. Like, we didn't have to go, we filled out an application. We didn't have to attend a meeting and then find the application mm-hmm. online and then wait until 8 a.m. on a certain day to submit the forms and then wait to hear back. And there wasn't an interdistrict permit that we had to get or any of those other public element pieces that can make it so hard to navigate. Yeah. I had a friend of mine who's putting her daughter in private, or excuse me, in public school. And she was talking about the process and she felt like every time she talked to somebody, she got a new piece of information about how to enroll her child in a public school. And I was like, oh yeah, I just put all my stuff into a packet and that was it. Like it, it felt a lot simpler and a lot more friendly than uh, the other option. 
for us. Well, in business, they call it low barriers to entry. So oh, <laughs> I learned something new. There's the fancy term for it. Um, so this is really insightful. And I feel like we came full circle because I didn't know that actually you ended up putting your in private school. And I feel familiarity comes up for me a little bit of mm-hmm. the choice that you made. And I know you mentioned community as well as just logistics, right? Which I mm-hmm. think informs a lot of decisions. But as a parent, you know, what is, I guess, one piece of advice you could give to a parent out there who is trying to make a choice? I wouldn't say the right choice, but a choice of schooling for for their child. That is that's a hard question because yeah. it's going to vary. And I think it varies because of value. And I think mm. that's where I'm going to come back to is what are you hoping for your child to gain out of their schooling? And it's might be a list of top five things, but like from those five things, what is the the, the, the most important thing? And then work from, from those five key values. And sometimes the option might not be like me. I mean, I don't, love it, but I also don't hate it. And I know that it's going to be a learning curve for all of us. And, but ultimately it falls back into what it is that we value. Hmm. And so I would start there. And then another thing is to know your kid and like, where are they going to thrive? Because maybe where their personality is could be different than yours. And they're the ones that are going to be in school for eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. And yes, you will be there alongside them, brooding them on and and doing all the the parenting things. But ultimately, they're going to have to be the ones sitting with the teacher, doing the work, participating. So where are they going to get the most out of their time because that's like their little job Mm -hmm. is to be a student. So where are they spending their time? Oh, I love that advice. I think it's absolutely beautiful. And I think the focus really is, is that even if you are a parent and you feel the pressure, just taking a step back and really thinking about your child and where they thrive, like you mentioned, because it's so easy to fall into the trap of what looks good and what looks good to the outside. Right. Or what's convenient too. And, yeah. and I know that that's a piece that's that we didn't even have time to touch on, which is sometimes school just is convenient. Mm. Um, and you go to your neighborhood school because that's convenient. But if you have the ability to stretch beyond convenience to, I mean, maybe that tells you what the value is right there. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, to, to think about, yes, you do, you, you might have more options than what you think you are. Maybe that's homeschooling. Maybe that's private school. Maybe that's public school. Maybe that's um, like co-op. Mm-hmm. options mm-hmm. that are there. I mean, I, the pandemic unleashed a lot of different options. So find what or explore. Maybe that's another thing. Just see what else is out there. Yeah. If, and if you're listening, there will be a lot more episodes and future episodes about all the things we discussed a little bit more in detail. I know homework and grades and all that stuff comes up. So they will, there will definitely be more conversation about that. <laughs> As there should be. All right, Lauren. Well, thanks for spending your time with me after a long day of work. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. I'm just so happy to be here. And 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 if anybody else needs a person to chat with as a parent sending their kid in there, I'm happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. You can find me, Lauren Pinto. I, I or through Kamal. However, you know, I'm I'm the one Lauren Pinto that's there in her connection circle. So uh, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to chat with the peoples. 
Oh, I love that. All right. Well, with that, we are off for today. So bye, Lauren. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. Thank you for showing up as a parent, but not only just for yourself, but for your child as you consciously make shifts for their schooling. To connect with me, follow at The Parent Classroom on Instagram and join my email newsletter to stay tuned for more resources for you and your child. If you are interested in consciousness and education, you can find my book, Raise Your Hand, A Call for Consciousness and Education, now on Amazon. Till next time, bye.